This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, I was glad when they told us to go to church. Amen? Isn't that what the psalmist of old said? I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you're glad to be here tonight. I want to welcome all of you that are watching online. Glad you can be with us as well. Come join us here on a Wednesday night. It's great. There's nothing like being live and in color. And so if you get a chance, I know some of you are quite a distance away, but for the rest of you, come join us. We'd love to see you. Praise God. Did y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Maybe it's not a Bible. Maybe it's a device, whatever it is. But let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 again uh, this evening. Now, of course, uh, during our midweek services, I've been talking about the authority of the believer. Now, Pastor Glenn was here last week and uh, ministered, praise God. But uh, I just want to stay with it because uh, I tell you what, I've just been having a time. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this. Glory to God. So here's one thought that I had we might uh, um, try to explore this evening. For those of you that have been with us <clears throat> for, I think, we, I think I've done it for four weeks. This will be our fifth uh, midweek service that we've talked about this. Is there anything in, and you know, I'm not putting you on the spot or anything, but is there anything within that four-week period when we've talked about this subject that has just been illuminating to you or helpful to you or something of that nature uh, that you want to share with us tonight? Amen. No worries. If you, if you can't, you say, well, I don't even remember what you talked about. That's normal. Okay. But if, you, if there's something, uh, I'd like to hear it. Praise the Lord. I'll, I'll, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, prime the pump here. One of the things, I mean, I've studied this subject for 45 years or better. And one of the things that I discovered is, is when it comes to authority, typically when we talk about the subject, we're talking about it in the light of what authority can do for us, all right, as a believer. But the reality is, primarily, the reason that authority is given to the believer is to help others. And so really, the authority of the believer is really for service. You know, when, when he appointed the 12, he told them to go out, cast out devils, freely, freely you've received, freely give. When he appointed the other 70, he did the same thing. He says, I give you this authority for the purpose to minister or to bring blessing to the world that is around you. And you know, there in Luke chapter 10, 19, when they came back, they, you know, they came back rejoicing. I mean, they were excited. They said, man, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said, I watched Satan fall from heaven. And he said, but he said, rejoice not in that, but rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So thank God for the new birth, amen, being born of the Spirit of God. So anyway, anything else, anybody you can think of, you know, that just goes to show what a great job I've done teaching, hallelujah, we're going to have to work on that a little bit. Well, I tell you what, aren't you thankful for the new birth tonight? Yeah. To be born again, hallelujah. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born, you must be born again to inherit or see or enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. To be born of the Spirit. Now, a lot of people, you know, you are you glad you're saved? Are you glad you're born again? Or are you thankful for the new birth? Oh, yeah, man, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. I have eternal life. Well, you know what? There's a whole lot more to the new birth than just going to heaven. Are you listening to me? 
You know, there's a lot more to be. I mean, just to think about when we got saved, when we gave our heart to Christ and we decided we were going to become his follower all in, I mean, heart, soul, body, everything, you know, all of your heart, all your soul, all your body, everything about you. Praise God. When that happened, you and I were immediately delivered from the authority of darkness. Praise God. He took us out of the authority of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. You know, like I've got a son-in-law whose who's, uh, citizenship is in Norway, and he's supposed to be working on his citizenship in the U.S., all right? Supposed to be. Now, Aaron, he got his done, and uh, Pastor Glenn's going to get his done too. Can you say amen? But we've been delivered from the authority of, of, of darkness. In other words, Satan's control has been broken, absolutely broken over your life. Now, ignorance can keep you bound, but I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus freed us from the slavery of sin and its dominion within our life. Also, being born of the Spirit of God empowers us by the Holy Ghost to experience the life that Jesus came to give us, an abundant life. Didn't he, didn't he say that? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you could have abundant life. God wants you to have abundant life. Matter of fact, abundant life belongs to you. As a child of God, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. There was nothing in the way of performance that brought it about. It's because of Jesus and him alone. And he brought life, abundant life to you and I through the new birth. And also, praise God, we've been authorized by the head of the church. How many of you thank God for Jesus? Hallelujah, the victorious one, the champion, glory to God. We've been authorized by him to bring heaven's blessing to this world around us. Listen, I'm telling you, what you've got on the inside of you is precious. Can you say amen? You're not a defeated foe. Thank God you're a victor. And what it is that God has imparted to you, planted within you, given you as new life, you, you are intended to be a blessing to the world that is around you. Hallelujah. We're not a big deal in and of ourselves, but we are representatives of him. And so thank God he's given us this authorization to be a blessing or bring heaven's blessing to the world around us. And also, and this is probably more important than anything, especially these days, and, and this particular time that we're living in, and that is, praise God, because of the new birth, because of being born of the Spirit of God, we can have hope, we can have peace, and we can have the promise of Jesus' soon return, praise God, and not too long from now. Can you say amen? So we stay ready, we stay watching. You know, Jesus said, watch, because in an hour when you think not, he comes. He said if the good men of the house would have known what hour the thief would have came, he would have been watching. So praise God, you know, let's make sure that we're watching. We're not asleep, but rather we're doing what it is that he's asked us to do. So talking about the authority of the believer, you know, I kind of uh, couched this within the thought or the idea uh, <clears throat> that in most evangelical circles, there's very little <laughs> even known or talked about 
when it comes to this most important subject. I'm telling you, if you know about the authority of the believer and you begin to exercise it in your life, it'll change everything. But you have to understand that when Christ came and went to that cross, died, and was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, he gave us not only new life, but he gave us power, and he gave us authority. He gave us, as children of God, the ability to live in a way that would be honorable and pleasing unto God. And at the same time, praise God, to be able to enjoy a life of peace and joy and happiness. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be challenged. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to go, you know, things that go sideways. But I'm telling you, the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you is to have life and life more abundant. Can you say amen? Say it a little better for me, will you? I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta at least think that you're convinced. Hallelujah. You know? Because it is such an important subject. And most Christians are unaware of the authority that's been given to them. So, consequently, they end up living their lives without victory. And, and it isn't that they don't love Jesus. There are a lot of people on this, on this planet, man, they love God. You know, but unfortunately, they're whipped, they're defeated. They don't know what belongs to them. They don't realize, maybe is a better way of saying it. That praise God, I mean, when he delivered you out of the authority of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of God's dear son, I mean, there's nothing but victory in Christ Jesus. You know the old hymn, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. A lot of times people, you know, they just think about that in the context, well, thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God, you know, I no longer am under the, you know, the tyranny of sin. But there's so much more than that to it. Hallelujah. God's given us something that he wants us to exercise and use within the world in which we have done. So if you don't understand this positional change that took place when you got born again, you need to. And you need to start believing it. And you need to start accepting it. And you need to start walking in the light of it. Hallelujah. I'm not the guy I used to be. I mean, I was a sinner and I was lost, but when Jesus gave his life for me, shed his blood, and I received the forgiveness that was in him, my life changed. Hallelujah. And so did yours. So we need to start talking, believing, and acting in accordance with what it is that the Bible has to say, what it is that God has provided for us, because God wants the church to have a revelation an understanding, a knowing, if you want to call it that, of what it is that's taken place through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When he stood up and told those disciples, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on this earth. I am the big dog. Hallelujah. And he said, now you go in my name. Cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, watch them recover. Freely you have been, you've received, freely give. Are you listening to me? So he commissioned us. And you know, there's nothing weak about Jesus. He's, he's not, you know, placating. He's not, you know, mamby-pamby. He's not, you know, well, we just need to be kind of nice. I'm telling you, you read the Gospels and Jesus wasn't always nice by your definition. Huh? I mean, that whole temple clean-out thing, uh, you know, that's so unchristian. <laughs> well, guess what? 
The stuff that was going on in there was ungodly. So sometimes there just needs to be a house cleaning and there ain't no way to do it except the way it was done. Are you listening to me? Now notice in our text, I need to read my text. I have such a hard time reading my text. All right, Ephesians chapter one. Notice here, Paul, the apostle Paul, by really inspiration of the spirit of God, writes this epistle, this letter, and in it we have two different prayers that he is making for the church at Ephesus that are spirit-inspired prayers. And I want us to read together here in verse, uh, beginning with verse 15. Wherefore, I also, Paul speaking, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." And then then he begins to tell us what the prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He goes on in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being, King James used the word being, actually having been enlightened. See, when you got born again, dude, the bulb came on. Are you listening to me? We're, not, we're no longer in darkness. I mean, when I got saved, it was so dramatic. When I got saved and, and all of a sudden the consciousness of sin was gone in my life, I mean, it freaked me out because I could not under, you know, it was gone. It was gone. I knew all of a sudden now for the first time in my life, I was in right standing with God, not because of me, but because I repented and gave my heart to him. And man, he did a house cleaning. Are you listening to me? And not only that, but for the first time in my life, when I read the Word of God, it made sense. How many of you can attest that when you read the Word of God before salvation, it, you were clueless? Good way to go to sleep, huh? You know, they had me memorizing all this stuff. It didn't mean anything in the world to me. It didn't mean nothing. It was just memorization. That's all it was. But I tell you, when I got saved, man, all of a sudden, man, the Word of God became a living thing. It came alive. And not only that, but all of a sudden, the truth was revealed. Hallelujah. And thank God for that. So when he's talking here in 18, the eyes of your understanding having been enlightened, he's talking about three different things so that you and I would understand these things. Paul's praying, you got to get this. You got to understand this. I'm asking God to give you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him in these areas. Are you listening to me? Okay. Because, you're, because of the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, number one, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. Hallelujah. You know, there's a hope that God has and is put within you, and he's called you. We are the called of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you might, you're not a preacher in a pulpit or something like that, but dude, you're his child. And he has called, he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit would remain, hallelujah, so that there'd be fruitfulness in your life. Don't tell me that God, or I mean, you know, people, I, I feel sorry for this generation behind us, man. They got no purpose. They got no nothing. They're living around wanting a handout. What a lifeless bunch of junk. When God put them on this planet, placed his gave them their spirit so that they could have life and life more abundant, so they could have purpose, so that they could do something to glorify God. So 
when he's praying, he says, I want number one, that you'd understand or know the hope of his calling. All right. And then secondly, he talks about here, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance that's in the saints? You and I have no way of even beginning to fathom what's coming. I mean, in a good sense. I mean, heaven is going to be out of this world. And I'm telling you what, the likes of which none of, I mean, you know, people that have went to heaven, died, went to heaven, came back, they said there's no way to describe it. There's no way in, in any language to express what it is that is going to come as a reward and as an inheritance. I mean, we got reason to live for God. We have incredible reason to be all in, leaning forward, doing the will of God from our heart because I'm telling you, there's some stuff coming that's going to be wonderful. And, and if you know it, if you see it, if you believe it, then it energizes you and it moves you forward into what it is that God wants you to do in this life. Hallelujah. Anytime you want to shout, you're welcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he gets down to this third point, number three in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, that's really where we've been landing and talking about. We haven't really talked about the other two things. But again, Paul is praying. He says, you got to see this. you got to understand this. Oh, God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so they will know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to them that believe? According to the working of the mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand. Hallelujah. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Woo! Hallelujah. Which is his body that fills uh, uh, the fullness of him that fills all in all. See, we are the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the members. We're on the earth. And it's through the body, through the members, that Jesus is working. He's working through us. You know, if, he, if we don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Huh? If I don't tell somebody about Jesus, then nothing's going to, who's going to tell them? Well, you know, that's, that's the preacher's job. I got news for you, dude. If you're a child of God, you're in. Huh? We're all in. And so he wants us to see the exceeding greatness of his power to us, toward us, that believe. How many believers we have here tonight? So if there's anything that God wants you to get a hold of, he wants you to recognize the power, the katros, I guess if that's a Greek word and how you pronounce it. But, you know, it talks, you know, by definition, it's a very broad scoped word in the Greek language, but it, it implies dominion. Man, God has given you dominion over your life. You don't have to be a rug for the devil. You don't have to listen to the world and think that you're defeated because of what they think. Who cares what they think? I'm going to heaven. They're going to hell. Who wins in that deal? Huh? 
You know, when people mock you, criticize you, you know, persecute you, whatever the case might be, man, I'm telling you what, rejoice. I said rejoice. I said rejoice. Because I'm telling you this much about it, Jesus said if they persecuted me, you could pretty much rely on the fact you're going to get it too. Stop it. I would say shut up, but that's not good to say, I guess. You can't, you cannot look at adversity and adversaries in a weak kind of way. Jesus did not make you a weakling. He made you more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Through Christ, we win. And so it becomes imperative that the child of God get a hold of these things. Stand up. Put your shoulders back. Get your head in the air. You're a child of the living God. And he wants you to live accordingly. And that's what I said, you know, one of the great things about being born again is is that he has empowered us to be able to live a life that is pleasing to him. Now, if you let your flesh dominate you, you get whooped every time. But I tell you what, praise God, if you'll let the greater one that is on the inside of you and the real you do the dominating, then praise God, life's going to be different. You got to get your mind renewed. You know, your flesh and your mind will gang up on you. You know, oh no, huh? we want to live like the world. We want to do this. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't this be? Well, yeah, if you want to die. Huh? If you like death. I was reading the book of Proverbs. Today is the 5th of October, you know, so the fifth chapter is what you read. And it's a chapter to men and women, or actually to young men and old men, about staying away from, uh, pardon me, hookers and whores and people like that because they will destroy your life. Are you with me? You ought to read it. It's great, it's good advice. You know, I say, wow, man, you're getting right down there where the rubber meets the road. Well, you know, guys go stupid sometimes. And you think, well, I don't even know how come me to get off on this. But anyway, uh, you don't want to go there. They said, oh, yeah, their lips drip like honey. He said, but the thing you don't realize is in the end, it's as bitter as wormwood and sharper than a two-edged sword. They'll destroy you. And I've seen it happen, man. You know, people end up where they don't belong, guys going where they shouldn't be and entertaining ideas that they shouldn't be entertaining, and it it ruins their life. So don't go there. But, you know, people say, well, I just can't help it. No, 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 no. No. You can help it. You just made a bad decision. Well, you don't have to be so mean and... That's the way it is. See, we don't, we don't have any absolutes. Everything is so stinking vague. And what needs to happen is, is people need to wake up and realize that black is black and white is white. And start walking in the light of the word. Because, you know, we're living in perilous times. And the reality is, is if I'm going to help you as a pastor, then I got to tell you the truth straight up and give it to you just like it is. 
I can't dance around with your, yeah, but I just feel like I'm just being mistreated, you know, and people don't love me, and I'm just... What since when did it matter about you? Well, it's always mattered about me. That's the problem. Wow. How do you like this, honey? That's the problem. And we we are filled, we have a, a culture filled with people that are just like I, what I described. And I can tell you right now, dude. They're on a wrong road, and it is not going to be pleasant as they go down that road. Are you listening to me? So don't be one of them, man. Pull up your bootstraps. Stop, stop thinking you know that everybody owes you something, man. Jesus did everything he needed to do so that you could have life and life more. But now get up and get after it. Possess the land. Well, you know, I just thought that Jesus was going to, you know, he, he did. He already did. What he's doing is he's waiting on you. You say, well, that's not very polite. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to state the truth here, man. You know, it, it, it just, you know, it's unfortunate. But a lot of times when it comes to people and their choices and different things like that, they're, they're dominated by their emotions. And your emotions will destroy you. I mean, I'm not, I'm all for emotions. I like being happy. I like being joyful. I like being, you know, all of those different kinds of things. But at the end of the day, man, when it comes to the way that you live, it's about your character. It's about who you are. It's about who he is in you and what it is that he's asked you to do and how he's empowered you to be able to do it. Are you with me? So praise God, let's get on with it and let's do it. And if we got to get, get rid of junk in our life, get rid of it. Sometimes people, you know, they're driven by their pride. Well, my God, I could never make a mistake. Really? <laughs> you need a different set of lenses in your glasses. Pride will kill you, man. But humility will exalt you. Well, I'm not proud. Yeah, might want to check that out. Amen. You say, what's that got to do with authority? Everything. Everything. I'll say it to you this way. You know, we got to get our, our, ourselves together if we're going to exercise ourselves in this, and I'll give you a great example. You know, we use the example of a policeman. I mean, he doesn't have any ability against a, you know, 80,000-pound truck that's coming down the road, but he does have authority. If he gets out there with his flashes on, puts his hand up like this, they got to obey this. Now, they don't have to, but there'll be a cost if they don't. But he has no physical power against that, but he does have the authority to do that. Are you with me? Well, if that same individual is doing things outside the boundaries of the law, doing things illegally or whatever the case might be, he's going to, first of all, going to be found out and his authority will be stripped from him. Isn't that right? Well, the same thing's true of the child of God. Dude, you got to live close to Jesus. Are you with me? you got to be a follower of Jesus. And if you get out of line, you repent now. Not four days from now, now. You get back into the sheepfold. You get where you belong because you need his power and authority in your life. With me? Like right now, you know, there's all kinds of stuff coming out with these people, you know. I mean, they're all crooks. 
They're corrupt. They're doing all these things, you know, and they're finding out about this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and, and what is it? It makes them weak. It makes them powerless. You say, well, they seem to have power. Not for long. I'm telling you, not for long. I'm telling you that, that, that justice is coming. Are you with me? But you're a child of God, my friend, and God has done something in you, for you, to you, if you want to call it that, so that, praise God, you can walk in the light of his word and be blessed coming in and going out. So we read these scriptures, and Paul says, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom revelation, number one, so you'll know the hope of his calling, number two, you'll understand the inheritance that is in the saints, and also, number three, the exceeding greatness of his power to you who believe. So these are your promises, there's an inheritance that's been promised. There is a hope, the blessed hope of Jesus Christ that's been promised. Isn't that right? And there is an authority, a power that has been given or granted or promised for you, the child of God. These are your promises, but unless you know them, they won't do you any good. Ignorance is not bliss. But I tell you what, when you discover it, when you find out, hallelujah, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I've used this story once, I'll do it again. But you know, when Joan and I first got married, we went down to Ramah, the school we graduated from, and we were going down there for a conference or something. Brian was just a little beater. He was just, I mean, I don't even know if he was a year old. And we were, we were staying at the, what was the name of that place? Anyway, some hotel, you know, motel. Actually, it was a motel, you know, and... Uh, <clears throat> And so, you know, we had to get around, you know, get the baby ready and all these different kinds of things. So, you know how it is. How many of you got kids? Holy, you know, it's like herding cats. You know what I'm saying? So, we're trying to get around so we can make the morning meeting. Well, you know, we need to have something to eat, a bite to eat, you know, some orange juice, maybe a little coffee, something like that. There's a convenience store on the other side of this four-lane, you know, heavily traveled, especially during go-to-work hours. And so I would go, I said, honey, you just kind of do what you do and get yourself on, you know, and take care of this. I'll go over there, praise God, I'll get us some stuff, I'll bring it back. So I go to the highway, sure enough, you know, mm, 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 two lanes going this way, a little median, and then two lanes going that way. So I got to work myself to the middle, to the median, and then I got to work myself to the convenience store. And I finally make my way there when I get all our junk stuff, you know, and then I got to turn around and do it all, you know, got to get back. I did this for days. I mean, days. I don't remember how many, you know, three, four days that we were down there or whatever. Comes the last day, you know, I'm going to go into the office there and, and pay my bill. So I go walking down, you know, in front of all the doors, you know, in the motel. I walk in there. Man, first thing that hits me is the smell of fresh coffee. I mean, it is awesome. And not only that, but there's all these pastries. And I walked in, I walked into the lobby and I look over here, you know, and there's, there's all this stuff on the table. You know, and there's orange juice. I mean, there's anything and everything God could ever want. A continental breakfast. That's what they used to call them. Yeah. I said, say, what's that? And they said, well, that's for all our guests. I said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's complimentary for all of our guests that are here. If your guests help shove, you can have whatever it is that you want. I stood there with my mouth agape. Because for the entire week or however many days it was, I'm, I'm going through all of this, quote unquote, suffering. 
in order for us to be able, and Christians do it all the time because of what they don't know. Now, I don't know, I probably should have read something, but I didn't. Are you with me? So we need to know that this belongs to us. That's why Paul said, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that you will understand the, the exceeding greatness of his power to you as a believer. And so it becomes important for us to understand. So number one, unless you know it, it won't do you any good. But number two, you can know what's yours and not exercise it or act on it. People say, well, I don't know how. Well, you know, when the devil raises his ugly head up in your life, you say, no, you don't. In Jesus' name. Sickness comes to you. Sickness comes to your kids. You stand up in the name of Jesus. You take authority over it in Jesus' name. Why? Because you know that sickness and disease is from hell. Dis-ease. Huh? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, immediately when that happens, you'll people say, yeah, but you know, I tried that once and I used the name of Jesus and nothing happened. Well, let me ask you an important question. What are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at my circumstances. You know, I used the name and nothing happened. That's your problem. We walk by faith, not by sight. When you give a command in Jesus' name, the devil has to obey. Are you listening to me? Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you know anything about him? How many of you don't even know this guy exists? Okay, there's a guy. He was from England. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. He was a plumber, I think. And he didn't get saved until he was, I think, maybe in his 50s, maybe 60s. I don't know. He was referred to as as the apostle of faith. This guy was ornery on a lot of different levels. So much so, one time, Smith, his wife was a believer. And she'd go to church, and he didn't want her going to church. Maybe you're that way. Maybe you've got a spouse that's all knotted up and whatever and doesn't want you to go. Go anyway. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, is that, that what I should do? Absolutely. Just defy the devil. Are you listening to me? You say, well, I could get in trouble. You're in trouble anyway, man. You might as well get in uh, where the blessing of God is. And whatever comes, just deal with it. Wow. Didn't know I was going to say that either. Well, anyway, Smith, his mother, or his mother, his wife, wanted to go to church, and he didn't want her going. So he took all of her shoes and hid them. And couldn't, you know, she couldn't find her shoes to go to church. So she had an old pair of uh, uh, mud boots, galoshes, or whatever you want to call them. She put them on and went to church. Think about how humiliating that must have been for this woman, to go in, in these mud boots to church. So she goes to church, probably midweek service, you know, or something, and... Uh, He gets mad because she went to church anyway, so he locks her out, locks her out of the house. And and, uh, the next morning, he got up, and and he's going to go out on the porch to get the milk. You know, it used to be, remember when Metal Gold would bring the milk to your house? We had a little box there, you know, you get a couple quart, whatever it is you needed there. It's kind of nice. Anyway... um, He got up to get the milk or the paper or whatever it was that he was going after. Well, when he opened the door, she had come home, couldn't get in. So all she did is she just, you know, opened up the storm door and leaned against the door and went to sleep for the night. Well, when he opened up the door, she fell into the kitchen. And she, you know, of course, naturally, you know, was kind of a little bit 
stunned by it all, but she got up and she said, well, good morning, Smith. How are, what is it that you'd like to have for breakfast this morning? Man, just heap coals on this clown. Well, he got saved. And when he got saved, he got safe saved. And I'm telling you what, praise God, he was all in. Everybody say all in. He was all in. So anyway, he's in Kansas City. This guy was an Englishman in England, you know, and, and uh, he was in Kansas City preaching. And there was a pastor. He had a, he had a parishioner. She was a woman, a gal, that she had lost her mind. And, you know, somehow or another, I don't know whatever it is that happened. So anyway, he, he asked Smith, he said, is there any way that I know that you're busy and you got these meetings, but is there any way you'd go over there with me and, so that we could pray for? And, you know, he's going, you know, whatever. And so he takes Smith over to this house where the woman had lost her mind. And they go into the house, and, and, you know, there's a big room, and Smith was always dressed, you know, just perfectly, you know. Had one of those, what do they call them, hats? Huh? Derby? Yeah, whatever it was, you know. So he takes his hat and his top coat off and puts it aside and different things. A woman was not in the room. As soon as she walked in, she recognized, not by her own mentality, but she knew that these two guys were preachers, ministers. One was his pastor, one was her pastor. And she just started cussing like you cannot believe it, both of them. Just, I mean, reaming them out in this now. And Smith, he, he, just, he just rose up and said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And he walked back over, retraced his steps, picked up his suit coat, put on his hat, started walking out the door. Well, the pastor, you know, he, he, he can't believe what's going on because he thought, well, we're going to go and minister to this woman. We're going to have to cast the devil. It could take all afternoon to get this woman free. All Smith did was give a command. And so while he's putting on his coat, the pastor, you know, he realizes, He's leaving. So he puts on his coat. He's getting ready to leave. He doesn't know what to think about the whole deal. He's going out. The woman is cussing at him on the way out the door. And just before he left the door, Smith turned around and said, I told you to come out. And then they left. Well, now the pastor's ticked. You know, and he goes home and starts pouting to his wife. And she says, well, what happened? She says, well, I, you know, we're going over there. I thought we were going to minister to this woman. He's, he's, all he said is go, he just went in there and said, come out. And we turned around and we went back home. She says, well, didn't he tell, you know, tell, tell the devil or what it was that was, had caused this woman to lose her mind, you know, uh, what to do? He says, yeah, but, you know, whatever. Three days later, <clears throat> that woman's mind came back to her perfect, and she became absolutely normal. Now, the reason I use that as an example is, is because what, what's the difference here? The guy is looking at the woman, and he's thinking, nothing's changed, nothing's happened. She's no better off than when we came. Smith Wigglesworth gave the command of faith in the name of Jesus and was walking by faith, and as a result of it, the devil came out of her, and she got her mind back. Are you listening to me? So why am I saying that to you? Because praise God, when we get into these situations, you know, you need to walk by faith and not by sight. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? You know, there's times when we've had things go on around the church here, you know, and it looks like everything's going sideways, all hell's breaking loose. But I'm telling you what, we win. I said, we win. I said, we win. And praise God, the greater one is not only in us, but he's for us and he's with us. 
So we take it to him and we say, Father, you are bigger than this situation. And so we thank you, praise God, for intervening, for bringing it about, to do what it is that needs to be done. The devil will fight you all the way to try to keep you from having abundant life, but there's nothing he can do unless you let him. He's a liar. There's no truth in him. One time we were believing God for $40,000 to finish this building. Not this one, the other one. And dude, we didn't even have two nickels to rub together. $40,000, mine must as well have been $3 million, you know. But I was praying. You know what? I mean, you know, when you have a need, you will pray. At least I hope you do. And the Spirit of God told me that we would have the money in, in 90 days. We'd have $40,000 in 90 days. I came out of the prayer room. I told my secretary at the time that was Deanna. She said, okay, hallelujah, we'll have it. I got up the next Sunday, you know, whenever that was, I told our congregation that God had spoke to my heart and God was going to give us $40,000 in order to complete the, the youth building is what we needed in, ni- in 90 days' time. You know, everybody, you know, they're shouting hallelujah. Oh, yeah, the pastor's got it, baby. I don't believe it, but whatever, you know. But I had it. But here's the thing. On Tuesday, everybody say Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'm minding my own business, just going down the road of life, you know, believing and knowing that God is going to get. I heard from heaven, man. I heard from heaven. But we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about roaming, seeking, looking for anybody, if he can, to devour. So I'm minding my own business, walking down the road of life. All of a sudden, these words come to me, and they come just like this. You don't really believe that God is going to give you $40,000 in 90 days, do you? It's exactly the way it came. And for one moment, I entertained it. And then I caught myself. And thank God, everybody say, thank God. Thank God I caught myself. I said, no, devil. I don't think that God is going to give us that money in 90 days. I know he's going to give it to us in 90 days. Never was bothered again. And in that 90-day period, $51,000 came in the church. And that don't sound like a big deal, but I'm telling you what, back then that was a big deal. It would have been in 1984 or 5, probably 85, I imagine. Hallelujah. See, we have an adversary. There's a battle going on, but thank God we've already won because of him. Can you say amen? You got the victory. Hallelujah. You say, well, I sure don't feel like it. Well, thank God we're not walking by the way you feel. We're, we're walking by what it is that he said and what we believe. And see, when you start believing these things and you start talking these things and you start acting this out, it'll start happening in your life. Are you listening to me? You know, sometimes poverty and lack will try to come on us, praise God. We just say, no, you don't, glory to God. You know, they're talking about all this inflation and everything. I'm telling you, God knew about inflation before you and I ever got here. Are you listening to me? You say, yeah, but that's a tough one. It isn't any tougher than anything else. I mean, with God, all things are what? To who? Him that believes. Amen. Yeah. I called the gas uh, people. You know, we have a little barrel there on our our, uh, place there, you know, a little extra, 
fuel, you know, run the gas, mowers and different things like that. And then I got one from a pickup, you know, and different things. Sometimes it's just kind of nice to have a little extra fuel on hand, you know, because you're short and living in the country or whatever the case might be and go score some in. So I called the guy. I says, uh, I said, so where, where are we on diesel fuel? And he says, well, thanks to your OPEC friends, which announced this morning, you know, that they were going to cut two, what was it, two billion barrels? I mean, it's, it's huge. Huh? Yeah, a day that they were going to cut from production. He says it's, um, I don't remember what he said, it was $4.90 a gallon or something like that. And I said, okay, great. And, uh, and, and the thing of it is, is that, you know, same thing's going to happen with gasoline. You know, it all went up. I think it all went 20 cents or something like that here, you know, and different things like that. And, and it is, it is um, how would I describe that? It is... Um, um, I'll just keep it simple. It's so unfortunate yes. that people are having to experience and so unnecessary. It's an absolute atrocity that has happened to our country in these last two years under the current administration. They have wrecked everything with impunity and think that they're so smart. They're not smart. They're fools. You know, but here we are. But thank God we're not alone. And thank God we've got the greater one. And thank God he knows all about all this business. And we just need to keep our eyes on him, praise God. And he's the one that will put us over and make a way where there is no way. Are you listening to me? I mean, if he can get water out of a rock, then praise God, he can make sure that you got everything that you need to. Can you say amen? Amen. amen and I, my time's up. Hallelujah. There you go. That's all you get. Man, uh, wait a minute, maybe not. See, they're outside playing, right? Well, I mean, that's another at least five minutes, praise God. So let's get this, let's get this down. These promises are yours. These are your promises. You've been given authority. We need to, we need to get a hold of the fact that we've been given this authority. But like I said, unless you know it, it won't do you any good. Number two, you can know what's yours, but if you don't act on it, it still won't do you any good. So... Christians live, I, I was uh, in my devotional time, this would have been, I think, what day was that? Monday, maybe, Greg called me. It would have been Monday morning. And I, I was, you know, just having my devotional time, and this come up out of the inside of me, I'll just share it with you today, tonight. Christians, many Christians, live with the mistaken idea no, this isn't what I, this isn't what I, what came up on the inside of me. Is that right? Nope, that's not the one. But I want to tell you this anyway. Now I got to think about what I said or what he said. Let's take an idea. Oh, if there, okay, all right. I, yeah, got it now. Here. He said, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, okay? I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom or revelation would be granted unto you so you can know these things. So the question is, how can I get, a, get my head wrapped around this? How can I, you know, get this in a, in a fuller measure within my life? And I'll tell you, it's simple, you guys. It's not difficult. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, one of the greatest mistakes 
he said it to me this way. One of the great mistakes, I don't know if it's the greatest or not, but one of the great mistakes that Christians make is not taking time or spending time with me. In the word and in prayer. He's just, you know, I was talking to my son Greg because he went down to watch the Yankees play in Dallas and and he was down there and I was sharing this thing with him. I said, it's like the guy who has this, he buys this new piece of whatever and it's got to be assembled. And he says, he looks at the instructions, he says, instructions, I don't need instructions. Huh? You know? And so you get halfway into it and you realize that part B won't go with part D until part C and and all of a sudden you're picking up. And that's exactly what we do in our Christian lives. God wants to direct our steps. He wants to guide us. He wants to reveal things to us. Are you with me? I had a situation come up here uh, just recently and um, and it, it was not a positive thing. <laughs> Have any of you ever had things come up in your life that aren't positive? So you got two different options, you know. Well, maybe you got more than that. I don't know. So anyway, we're pondering all this. My wife and I are dealing with it, you know. But I heard from heaven. He says, let it go. Now, your flesh does not want to let it go. But he said, let it go. I'll take care of it. I'll provide, you know, whatever it is that's needed in this situation. Just don't do anything. And I said, okay. So... When we talked about, you know, how we're going to proceed or whatever, what are we going to do about this? I said, we ain't going to do nothing. We're just going to believe God, and he's going to make a way where there is no way. It's not a big deal. Don't, don't get all ratcheted up, you know. Hey, what do you, you got going? It's not that. You know, it's just, I'm just saying to you, don't make the mistake. One of the great mistakes that Christians, believers make is they just don't spend or just Take time to be with him. I mean, you don't have to get into a 40-hour study or anything of that nature. Just go be with him and, and read the word of God and let God talk to you. Are you daily? Daily. Daily. And and I'll tell you what, praise God, you'll discover. I said you'll discover life will be a whole lot better when you do. Amen. Now I've used up all my time. What was I going to tell you before? Christians live with a mistaken idea that unless God does something about their situation, it somehow must not be the will of God for them. That's dumb theology. And yet it is prevalent, you guys. Because what we haven't come to realize is there's a Godward side and there is a manward side to this. There's something you have to do. But we kind of think, well, if God doesn't do anything, you know, what am I going to do? Well, if he tells you, like in my case, he said, don't do anything. I'll take care of it. Then you don't do nothing, okay? But if he, you know, gives you the wherewithal and the means and the whatever to do whatever it is you need to do, then get after it. Does that make sense to you? I'm not trying to confuse the issue, you know, but, but it's important for us to follow uh, his direction. And if we do that, praise God, we'll be blessed. And I really need to stop. But, you know, I, I don't always get to preach on Sunday morning, so I get full and I want to preach like for an hour and a half or two or three. And I just would feel better about things that way. But I don't get to do that, and so we got through one page of four pages of notes. Y'all glad you came? Let's everybody stand up together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Say that, make this confession of your faith with me. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you tonight for what it is you've done for me. The authority that belongs to me as a child of God. What it is that you have done so that I might live. And I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom to be able to use the authority given to me in the affairs of my life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for giving me peace. Why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment? You know, if you're here tonight, you know, it's, I mean, um, if anxiety, worry, care, those kinds of things have been a part of your life today because things didn't go right or whatever, I'm telling you, Jesus, he's right here right now, and he wants to take all of that from you. He wants you to cast your care onto him because he cares for you. You may feel oppressed or depressed or just discouraged, you know, with whatever it is that's going on in your life. Listen, I'm telling you that the same God that delivered you on the day you made Jesus Lord of your life, that same God wants to deliver you from that stuff right now. Hallelujah. So praise God. I want you to lift one hand up toward heaven if that happens to be you. And you just say, Father in heaven... I cast my care, I cast my discouragement over onto you, and I thank you for working in my life that which is good. Heavenly Father, in the name that's above every name, the name, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, we take authority over all anxiety, worry, fear, intimidation, care in Jesus' name in this house. For those that are watching online, in the name of Jesus, we resist you. And Father God, I thank you for replacing it with peace. And for those discouraged, for those, Father, that are, that are having some sense of oppression, we break it in the name of Jesus right now. And Father God, I thank you for granting them, filling them up with encouragement, Father, from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in this house. I thank you, Lord God, for filling it with the unsaved so that they can come to know Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for those that have already made it their home. They're growing. They're maturing. They're becoming the children of God that you have called them to be. I thank you, Lord God, for making the crooked ways straight. I thank you, Lord God, for making strong, healthy marriages, families that are growing in Christ, being everything, Father, you intended them to be. We refuse to receive the world's report where our lives are concerned because, Father, we are your children. And so we thank you, Father God, for your grace. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you for abounding toward us in every way, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. We're going to go ahead.